Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. the side of midnight i'm frank morano i'll tell you cornell bunting has is a fascinating storyteller but perhaps part of the reason he's such a fascinating storyteller is because his own story is so fascinating there are a lot of best-selling authors that i've known over the years there's a lot of best-selling authors that have been guests on this program they've written books on a wide variety of subjects however not many of them have written those books, multiple books, in prison. And yet that is precisely what what the case is with Cornell Bunting, a lifestyle influencer, a motivational speaker, and an author who's written many books, including at least four, while wrongfully incarcerated. Cornell, thanks for getting up early with us. Good morning. (laughs) Good morning. Thanks for having me. The pleasure's uh, the pleasure's all mine, Cornell. All right, you've got a fascinating story, and I realize it could be a little complicated at, at times. But give folks the Reader's Digest version here. How'd you wind up in prison? So I had a security company um, that uh, provide physical security to a lot of different locations. Uh, I live in uh, the Southwest Florida region, so I covered pretty much most of the clubs, um, gated community, different areas that use physical security. And uh, my competitors felt like I was getting all the jobs. So I became bad for business for them. And so they decided to pay one of the guys that worked for me to fabricate the story saying that I paid him money to go kidnap someone, possibly kill them. You know, so with that, I actually got arrested on uh, 16 uh, felony charges, eight on the conspiracy and eight on the solicitation. And you were found guilty? No, no, no. So I was treated guilty. So it's weird, man. So I was treated guilty until innocence was, was proven. So, you know, uh, I was put in jail. Uh, they, they put a hole on my bond so I couldn't burn out. Uh, so I had to sit there. Uh, so I sat in there for, for 10 months among, uh, you know, some criminals I was doing, you know, a couple of life sentences. And that's 10 months in a maximum security prison. Yes, sir. 
And then uh, how long did it take to clear your name from the time that you were arrested? About three years. Oof. So 10 months in jail. Uh, give folks an idea of how much money in legal fees that ends up costing you. Well, it ran through a little over $400,000. And, and once you get declared not guilty uh, after spending 10 months behind bars in a maximum security facility, is there any place that you can go to get uh, to get your legal fees reimbursed by the either the folks that framed you or anywhere else? No, 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 because, um, you know, first of all, my bond, um, the the amount my bond was, I the 10% I paid off that, I wouldn't get that back. Um, and then my attorney uh, charged a lot to retain them, plus they had to pay him $250 an hour. And this went on a, a period of um, three years. And, and um, we had 14 pre-conference trials. Uh, you know, it was a nightmare. Oh. It was a nightmare. No one uh, reimbursed. Um, and it was almost like they sent a warning to me saying, you know, I would advise uh, your client uh, to not uh, try to pursue um, the system because we wouldn't want uh, him to be wrongfully getting pulled over every month and huh. stuff like that, you know. So it I, was one of those type of things. And this was like after everything was done. But once you, I know during your trial, the witness giving testimony ultimately admitted that he helped fabricate a story about your involvement in this uh, kidnapping and extortion plot, very elaborate plot. Why, at the very least, even if you didn't go after the system because you were afraid of retribution, why not seek a, a lawsuit against that witness that admitted under oath making up this story? <laughs> well, he worked for me, so he didn't have money. And it was just surprising to me that he would um, take money to put me in a situation when he knew I was a single dad, you know, um, oh. I, I helped him. This kid came to my house at dinner with me and my kids. Uh, you know, so I just didn't see that coming from him. And then, you know, I mean, he was bagging groceries after that old situation. Anyways, because, you know, of course, uh, he had to stay away from me and, and my company, even though I had to close it. What a what a nightmare. I just uh, I can't imagine. You know, one of the things that we've talked a lot about on this program in discussing the criminal justice system is the the pressure to plea, the pressure to take a guilty plea because you don't want to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees and you don't want to face 32 years in prison instead of, uh, you know, 18 months or that kind of a thing. Uh, was there a lot of pressure to plea in your case? And even though you were innocent of everything that they were charging you with, did you ever think about taking a guilty plea? Listen, there was so much pressure. I There was at one point for me, I was like, did something happen? Did I black out where something might have happened? Because they really were taking it so serious. And then... They wanted me to take a plea deal, go to prison for five years, and I just refused. And, you know, I mean, they 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 stick to it. 
you know, the, the, the state attorney they had on the case, he'd never lost a case. And, and, you know, he was, he was coming hard and, you know, I had a little bit of money, so I, I was able to, to fight with them. And I decided I was not going to take a plea deal because I didn't do anything. Mm. Well, you're a brave man. You've uh, you've got the kind of spine that uh, a lot of people would be envious of. We're talking with Cornell Bunting. If you want to learn more about him, his story, or check out his books, you can go to his website, cornellbunting.com, C-O-R-N-E-L-L, bunting.com. So when you're incarcerated, when you're behind bars for 10 months— what made you decide to take up writing? Had you had any sort of a history as a writer prior to that? Yes, sir. So uh, in high school, I I actually got into drama. I, You know, there was a girl that I was interested in. I was on the soccer team. She would come and watch me play soccer, but she would always go to this class in the evening, and I was fascinated with it, and so I went. And it was a drama class. And uh, in there, I learned how to act. I learned how to write, you know, different scenes. Uh, And so I started to write uh, plays for the school. And, um, you know, I just didn't pursue it out of school. But I started um, writing from, from high school. And so what were the four books that you wrote in, in prison? So... <laughs> While I was there, I wrote Lion with No Roar, which was the first book that I, I uh, put out. And that's a children's um, book, right? Yes, sir. That's a children's book, but it has a hidden story of me not having a voice because, uh, you know, I was born July 31st. So, you know, I feel this lion in me at the time didn't have a voice. And so I figured, why not? write a, a kid's story and hide the adult story in that story and see how creative my readers could get. So, you know, we did that. Uh, I also wrote another book um, called Corn Legos, The Journeyman. Uh, that novel is not released yet. Uh, I, I also wrote um, The Bellman uh, while I was there. And I wrote another book called... Um, O'Neill uh, Rooster. It's uh, it's a story about me when I was young and had a rooster that I brought to different uh, cockfights to hmm. to fight different roosters. And so, and that book is not even released yet either. So, because when I got out, I no one would hire me. So, you know, I I had nothing but time. So I've I because I've written over fifty books already. Uh, that's uh, absolutely incredible. Did you have the opportunity or the interest to go back into the security business and run your own security company again once you were released? You know, I didn't have the interest. You know, I got out and I sold all the firearms I had for the company. Um, My dad had kind of came down and stole a bunch of my security stuff and your father? Um, Your father? Yeah, my yeah, my dad was terrible to me in that situation, man. And um, you know, he took my he took a lot of my 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 security products. I even my cousins gave him money to help with my my situation, and he kept it. He he spent it. I mean, you talk about a string of bad luck. That that's some pretty bad luck. Oh yeah, man. Um, How would you say that those 10 months incarcerated at a maximum security facility 
changed you, if at all? You know, it put things into perspective because before I went there, I didn't care about, you know, helping people. It was more about me, you know, making a certain amount of money where I could, you know, have fun with my kids and, you know, purchase the the different things of the world that I was craving, you know, like the, the, the luxury cars and stuff like that. Uh, when I got in there, you know, a lot of things got put into perspective because, you know, one, I was missing my, my kids. And then two, I realized I wasn't walking in my purpose. You know, the, the thing was, I was gifted with a gift to write stories that could help individuals relate to certain situations. And um, I just wasn't paying attention to none of that. So while I was there, uh, that kind of came into perspective. And the way things kind of grabbed my attention, it all came from this fly. We, you know, because we only see the light of day for one hour a week. And so we, we're in like this huge cell. It's like about 20 of us. Uh, there is five different um, pods. And you have um, four to five guys sleeping in one pod. So, um, you know, you never see anything there. Like you don't see outside. You see the sky whenever you go on the roof um, to to catch here. So... This one day we had this fly out of nowhere appeared in the cell. And when I tell you between the guys that were doing workout and the guys that were reading, everyone stopped what they were doing and was trying to figure out how that fly got in there. Hmm. And when I saw that fly, I was like the same way this, it was like a voice saying to me, the same way this fly got in here. It's the same way you're going to get out and you're going to get out. It's just, I need you to tap into the gift that I have given you, which is the writing. And, um, and so that's where I actually start buying writing pads and just start writing again. If people are just tuning in, we're talking with Cornell Bunting. You can check out his uh, work and check out his books and, and some of his other writings at cornellbunting.com. Cornell, a lot of people like to joke that Jesus must hang out in prison because everyone seems to go to prison and find Jesus. Now, I, that is funny on the one hand, but on the other hand, I, I really do get it because when you're in prison and a lot seems hopeless and you're really being tested beyond your means, a lot of people, whether they were wrongfully incarcerated or whether they were incarcerated because they actually committed the crime that they're in there for, they tend to do a lot of introspection and maybe look for something beyond this earth. And it makes sense to me that they would find greater faith. I'm curious, what did this experience that you went through do to your own faith, if anything? You know, I got to tell you, and just to touch on that a little bit, I think the way this system does what they do is so backwards because, you know, they take the Bible out of the schools. You know, these kids, they do all the different things they do. They get into a pipeline between the juvenile system from detention all the way to jail, then to prison. And that's where they put the Bibles. They put the Bibles in the prisons (laughs) and in the jails, and they push those books on them to read. So they try to get everyone that's in there to get them a Bible. And so, 
I mean, you have other religions too, you know, because you have guys that read the Quran, sure. the, 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 the Maccabee, all these different things. But, you know, at the end of the day, man, is really um, what you're supposed to be doing. You know, if you're not meant um, to be serving a certain type of purpose because you have decided to choose a certain path, you know, sometimes that purpose for you is to, con- you know, finish off whatever you have left on this earth there. And and that work is done there. So I know a lot of the guys, they try to, you know, say, hey, we're going to fight Jesus and, and God. So at some point we can get out of here. I mean, they're not really doing it mm-hmm. for that. They're just doing it for the possibility of getting out. But it don't really work like that. So... You know. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. I know you're writing a lot of books now and uh, writing some other things. You're doing some motivational speaking, which is great. What else are you up to these days? Um, so right now, and it's crazy because I, I'm trying to finish up some of my patterns for my closing line. Um, I'm, I'm between two companies in Europe right now to possibly do a deal they just wasn't you know offering a number at me that was making sense uh, but you know getting the closing line um out and then also i have a podcast that i do um on a friday and it's uh it comes out in on a uk radio show called urban extra radio um and then it's also available on all the different um you know podcast platforms it's called stories to create podcasts and and that stems from my nonprofit organization that I I I started uh, that's called EAS that stands for everyone has a story and that's where we help to create self-reliance and a growth mindset for disadvantaged youths um so I write curriculums you know where I help the kids to understand how to think critically how to be assertive you know, um, self-confident, uh, communication strategy, financial literacy, entrepreneurship. Um, so we have, you know, I have that type of stuff going on as well, you know, and just kind of packages and everything in one. That's, that's terrific. I'm definitely going to p- pick up a copy of Lion with No Roar uh, for, my, uh, for my son, and hopefully we'll read it together, and hopefully he'll appreciate the the subtext there. Now, let me ask you about another episode, which, if it's possible, might be even more challenging than what you went through in being incarcerated. 
In 2016, you're attending Next Level Church when oh, you go man. into cardiac arrest suddenly. What happened? <laughs> so, you know, um, the night the night prior to that day, I I was out until late because I just um, I was working with for the this Ford magazine. They did an award show to give out, like, you know, business person of the year and all that stuff. And I was the host. And so the the guy that had won business person of the year, I had to go to his club to give him that award. Um, so I was out until maybe three in the morning. Um, I got up that morning, though. Even though I came home by three, I still got up at like six, got ready, you know, went to church. And when I was in church, uh, right as the, the the speaker, Peter Haas, uh, it was at the time, uh, maybe five minutes into him speaking, I fell out the chair that I was sitting in. And people thought I was laughing at the time until they saw that I wasn't moving. And, you know, I could remember even seeing them, you know, go into my body and, you know, trying to shut me back. And I just, uh, I remember going to, like, going to my body, trying to tell them, like, I'm I'm okay. And I fell through my body. Then I was trying to grab my body, and it just didn't happen. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that unfold, you know, some of which, uh, you know, it's uh, kind of crazy to speak on. Um, but, you know, it's a lot unfold. And uh, while the pastor was arguing with the uh, the guy that was getting ready to put me in a body bag because Oof. I was there for 16 minutes. You without... were dead for 16 minutes, you said? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So uh, while they were arguing, you know, around the 16 minute, I came back. You know, just came back with a, a huge roar of uh, a sound, and uh, everyone was just amazed that, you know, because the, the ambulance was already there to pick me up, you know, it was, it was, um, it was something to see, you know, there's a lot of people there and, you know, there was people that were like, well, you know, if we never believed in the miracle, this is one right here that we definitely, you know, we had to run with it. And so, um, that's how that, that unfold. I was in the hospital for four days. They had to put a defibrillator in my chest. So I have a defibrillator in my chest now uh, that that kind of monitor me and where I'm not overdoing it. Well, I mean, count me among those. Uh, that is uh, that is quite amazed. Cornell Bunting, it's been fascinating uh, talking with you. You're a, a great storyteller. I hope everybody checks out your books at CornellBunting.com. I certainly will be. Let's talk again soon. Thank you very much for having me, sir. Thank you, Cornell Bunting. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you're welcome to 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.